Life is a piece of cake We play is defined by our mistakes So happy birthday Hooray! Blow the candles out Start another year Here's what you don't do so do we officially have to start this podcast or are we in it we, right we, now? We do have to officially start. We do have to officially start. Because I like start. what we've said. We can actually, I mean, we could <laughs> technically start it earlier, mm. but the actual intro bit should happen. All right, let's do it. You, you can do it. Hi, everybody. This is uh, Sam. You're listening to Here's What You Don't Do, the podcast where we reflect on and examine all of those things that we look back at and say, yee, could have done that better. Oh, man, I'm on the right podcast. <laughs> yeah, this is Kayla. <laughs> oh, sorry. Welcome, I didn't let you. Kayla. <laughs> I no, didn't... that's fine. We are casual AF. Cool. At this I'm wearing in my pajamas. I figured it was that kind of deal. <laughs> I'm in mesh sided leggings, but Ooh. only because I have a show later. Yeah. I like your show that you're doing right now. It was very fun. Let's let's plug me a little bit before we get started. (laughs) Okay. Right before we actually jump into it. Okay. Everyone, take a moment. Check in with yourself. Mm. Think about what you're doing exactly right now. Trying to make my spit not make noise. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. The next thing to examine Is what you're doing a good idea? What? Oh, is what you're doing a good idea? Yes. Everyone, you, you, Rob, me, everyone listening. Are you listening to this while laying in a crosswalk? Don't do that. Yeah, maybe get up. Get up. Keep on walking. Walk to one side. I don't care which side you pick. Pick the one that's like in the direction you need to go. That would be, that would be the next (laughs) level of correct choice. Like choice, like 80% of the choice is just getting to a side. And then the other 20, like you're, you're given a good hundo. Mm. If you actually go in the direction that you need. Yeah. So that's, that's that's, so wise. That's the advice you're going to get today. You're so wise. (laughs) Thank you. And I think I was just saying this off air, but I think I should say it on air. You've got a great radio voice and podcast voice. I feel like your voice makes sense on a podcast. (laughs) Not that it doesn't make sense off podcasting. (laughs) I just, right when I heard you in my earphones, I was like, oh, Oh. I like Sam's voice. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was talking to my mom about this the other day and I said that I feel like I have one of those weird voices that is like high and low at the same time. Ooh. And she was like, it's kind of fun. Like you can't immediately tell like if you're a woman or not. She was like, I like that. Ooh, yes. I like that too. (laughs) Who knows what's behind the curtain (laughs) of my pants. (laughs) (laughs) Got a shrug from Rob. (laughs) That was a solid shrug. Solid shrug. (laughs) Like a polite one. It wasn't a derogatory shrug. It was just an acknowledgement. It was an appropriate shrug. It was an appropriate shrug. Shrug and a smile. Shrug and a smile. There's Rob. Rob shrugging a smile, Tunstall. <laughs> <laughs> he is our beautiful tech wizard and host. Hi, Rob. 
beautiful. <laughs> That's new. Yeah. Rob, you sure is beautiful. What Face and soul. I'm wearing hospital socks. <laughs> <laughs> Which I didn't know you got to go home with them. What? Yeah, I never I, went home with mine. I suppose I always just leave them there. I'm yeah. taking everything. It'll be like a hotel now. I'm going to be like, what else can I take? Do you have monogrammed rope? <laughs> Little shampoos? I usually am fucked up when I leave the hospital because I'm usually in the hospital for an allergic reaction and they pump you full of Benadryl and whatever the fuck else. And all this, you're hey, just doesn't like, doesn't make you sleepy? It makes you wasted. Just like, <laughs> like, like they snap, you can snap your fingers. You go from sober and having a panic attack to wasted and calm and healthy. <laughs> and it's well, the next worst. time just be like, can I take your socks? <laughs> where do you, I need, to, where you got your socks? <laughs> I'm, I'm worried about slipping on the floor. Can I have Please. the non-slippy ones? I'm not going to wear shoes. That's why I'm worried. I'm not, I can't tie the shoelaces. <laughs> also, I just want your socks. <laughs> <laughs> Are my excuses working? <laughs> Love it. And they're like, yes, if you'll leave. <laughs> we'll just give you some socks. Mm-hmm. We'll bill you later. It's $30 a pair. Oh, geez. They're not covered by insurance. Did George Michael do that song? I want your socks. That's a song? I think he's making a joke about... What's that Damn song? It. Is it I Want Your Sex? It is. Damn it. See, that's, I was just telling <laughs> Sam and Rob, I don't fucking understand sarcasm or people <laughs> joking around. I don't. I take everything seriously, and it's my biggest downfall as a comedian. In your defense, it wasn't that good of a joke. Well, <laughs> good to know. I it took know. me a bit to figure out because I forgot that that was the name of a song. For some reason, the George Michael catalog... It's not like what I keep at hand. Yeah, I don't think I have any catalog that I keep at hand. (laughs) See, it's Roebuck. (laughs) I don't know movies either. Like, especially, it sucks, especially like with hanging out with improvisers all the time. They all know every movie ever made, I feel like. They tend to be people that are like, I am entertainment. I watch a lot of like TV shows on Netflix and HBO and stuff, but I really don't watch that many movies. I started watching a lot of TV Mm -hmm. because it feels like less of a commitment. You're like, I can't sit down for a whole movie, but I can watch an episode. 80 hours of Game of Thrones. Because if you do it one chunk at a time, like with most life mistakes, if you do it one tiny chunk at a time, you don't realize (laughs) where you've ended up until it's like eight hours later. Speaking of life mistakes, isn't that what we're here for? Speaking of life mistakes, it is why we're here. (laughs) Um, And Kayla is going to talk about a good chunk of stuff yeah. about relationships and sexuality and the road to where you gotta get to. Where you, to wherever I'm you. going, I'm <laughs> on the road. Again? I'm always on it. You and Willie Nelson. <laughs> I wish I knew that reference. I'll laugh along like I did. <laughs> like I always do all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, ah, yes, that song. That I movie. I am in this with you as well. <laughs> yep. Arm wave. <laughs> Podcast arm wave. Podcast arm wave. Um, yeah, so you can get started. Yeah. Whatever you want. This is about how Jump we've in. all fucked up. I've already fucked up today because I wanted to be, I didn't want to smoke weed today. <laughs> I wanted to be super sharp and sober for this. I wanted to be, 
I was like, I'm not going to drink that much the night before. I'm not going to smoke weed today. I've got Sam's podcast. I've got a show later. But I had, I they, like tripped and fell on a joint. I tripped oh, and no, fell on a belt. joint and was like, oh no, a lighter. <laughs> I was like, but like I did exactly what I said I wouldn't do. And I was hung over this morning and just had a little weedsies to help with the hangover. And now I just feel dumb. You're not. People say weed's not addictive, but it totally fucking is. I'm definitely addicted to weed and it's, uh, it's not physically addictive. It is mentally addictive. Oh yeah. If you get used to the state of mind that yeah. it puts you in and you like being there, then yeah, I suppose, yeah. Anything that is pleasurable yeah. can be addictive, which is a, a great segue to all of my <laughs> fuck ups. <laughs> and mm, go, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm okay. I think we'd made, I think we'd made me a better person. But it's not good to smoke on days you didn't want to smoke. <laughs> so I got a got a real back sometimes. Um, yeah, no, I'm terrified of this because I'm terrified that no one's going to think this is fucking interesting. It is. It's like, I just, I don't know. I feel like I'm worried about, I feel like people are going to roll their eyes and be like, Kayla, we don't want to fucking hear about your love life. Like, I'm, I'm feeling self-conscious. Right. Then, well, think about how many people are gonna listen to this mm-hmm. well don't think about the actual <laughs> numbers because it might be like two and a half we don't know i don't know I how half podcast- a person listens to it if you've got one earbud in because you have to pay attention to something else that's half a thing yeah. but like pretending that this is like gonna be a big thing and everyone's gonna well, love it i think Yay. your podcast i think people are gonna like your podcast i think i'm gonna like your podcast because i like uh I like hearing about people's lives. Yeah. So anyway, my if, life has been like the last couple of years has been very weird, different than the rest of my life. This last yeah. couple of years have been like me trying to figure out who, what the fuck I want in my life and like who I am and like what that means. Yeah. So yay. <laughs> well, what? Okay. So if you had to summarize essentially who you are in these areas, like right now, Mm-hmm. what kind of step are you at? And then we'll like go back and we'll see the journey to there. I feel like I'm at a good place where I have like a self-awareness of like what I don't want in my life. And like, that's I on, know that's on theme. I also know. Yeah. I also know that there's a lot. I don't know about the path I'm about to take. Like I'm no fucking guru a lot of what I'm going to talk about today is like monogamy and versus non-monogamy and like my sexuality and stuff. And like, because I've been practicing consensual non-monogamy for a year, a little, like a year and a half now. And like, that does not mean I'm a fucking expert. And I'm like realizing that I'm just, I fuck it up all the time. So that's where I am right now. And the, so the person you're practicing it with right now, how long have you been with them? About a year. We'll so it's been them, like the whole time. Um, Shortly after I had like right before I met them and we'll just for sake of privacy, we'll call them Mac. Mac. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mac Donald. <laughs> <laughs> so like I think four months before I asked Mac out on a date, I had ended like a really long-term, not really long-term, I guess for me, long-term relationship. It was like three and a half year relationship. I mean, that's long. It's longest I've ever had. That's a long term. 
Yeah. And like, I thought I was going to marry this person. I think our families thought that my friends like it was a and it was a monogamous uh, relationship, which was the problem. And I was like the whole time, uh, you know, we moved across the country, not together. He moved across the country to be with me. He's still out here. (laughs) Um, And uh, um. Yeah, it was really fucking hard. And we broke up because, well, for like the last year of our relationship, I was really panicked about like the idea of being with one person forever. I was like, that's fucking terrifying. Like, how are people okay with that? Like, I was so fucked up about it. Like, I would meet somebody and have like a really good connection with someone. And uh, which is one of my favorite parts about life. Like, I love meeting people and having like a spark or like really getting along with somebody. And... I would feel I'd meet somebody and I'd be attracted to them and I'd feel fucking guilty about it. I would, it would tear me up inside because Mm. I'm like, why can't, why shouldn't I be able to explore that and see where that would go? Like just the mystery of that and the curiosity of that was like driving me insane. And I would talk to him about it. And like the, I just talking to him about the idea of non-monogamy with making him was like ruining our relationship and making him not trust me. He was so against and I would bring up polyamory. You'd be like, I, I'm like, my friend is. The first time I was introduced to polyamory, I was babysitting. And I babysat for somebody um, in the comedy community here in Seattle. And they uh, were awesome and like super cool person that I met. And I, I babysat for them. And they were like, okay, um, my number's here on the fridge. I'm going to be on a date at this place. And my husband is going to be out also out on a date at this place. So there's the numbers for all the places and all that. And I was just like, what? Like I was like <laughs> nodding my head and like trying to act cool. And like, but I was, I was like, whoa, what? Like I was not expecting that. You know, yeah. I'd never met anybody who was openly polyamorous before. This was like right after I moved to Seattle. And like, I loved that. I loved how casual she said it. She was like, yeah. my husband's gonna be on a date here. Like nothing. No, it was just totally normal to her. And that was so cool to me. Um, and then I found out that Seattle's got kind of like the largest polyamorous population maybe in the world. I heard that somewhere. Ooh. And like, as I go on, I meet more and more people who are in non-monogamous situations. But anyway, we'll get back to that. So um, we'll call this person I dated... Bosch. <laughs> Bosch. These are the most amazing names. <laughs> Bosch and Mac. Hitting the town. No, okay. Um, <laughs> A real cosmopolitan pair. <laughs> um, so Bosch was very against it. He didn't like me even talking about it. And uh, I, it kind of, that went on for like a year. And then I was cast in a play uh, with Sound Theater Company, which is a fucking awesome theater company. And I was so stoked. It was a really awesome opportunity. Um, and it was a comedy. And I got to play a woman pretending to be a man who was a British gangster with like knives. <laughs> and it was like my dream. It was so fucking fun. Um, <laughs> All I've ever wanted is knives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I got like switch. I had like actual like illegal switchblades taken over the Mexican border in the eighties. Like there was all these cool stories behind oh, all shit. the knives I got to use in that. But anyway, so there were three other women involved in that show that were in either open marriages or in polyamorous situations. And so suddenly I'm like around it very co- in a concentrated way. Like, yeah. And these women were fucking awesome women. And I've, who I really looked up to and like, I would just would start picking their brains about 
polyamory and like, how does that work? Like, how does, how do you, how do you and your husband do it? Like, um, and meanwhile, I had this other castmate who, uh, was my lover on stage. Mm -hmm. And like, that's always kind of awkward. Like you read the script and then you have to meet them and do the table read. And they're reading the stage directions out loud of like what you have to do. And like, we had this crazy scene where like, we both thought each each other was dead. And then we see each other. We realize we're not, we both, we're not dead. And we, I leap on him, like make out with him, kiss him all over. Then it gets like kinky and they, they're weird. And they, I start like riding him like a horse, like, like being fucking weird and taking our clothes off. Like I read it. It is a comedy. It's a funny scene, but I was like, if I'm not friends with this person, like, this is oh yeah, if weird. you end up not liking them. Right. Like, and that's happened to me before where I had to like make out with someone on stage who I fucking despised in real life. Like that's happened. That's so I wanted to like this person and I wanted to get to know them and be friends so that our scenes would be better. I thought, you know, if we can really like, uh, like have that trust, like our scenes will be kick ass and I, that's yeah. what I want. So I started like parking my car near his car so that we could walk together after rehearsals for safety reasons. And so just so we could chat, not about the play. Yeah. Um, and then I found out he smoked weed and I was like, Oh sweet. Like, that's awesome. We're (laughs) going to be besties. We're going to be besties. And like, meanwhile, Bosch is like having a hard time with this. Like he's not a theater person. He wasn't, he's not like me having to like, having to watch me make out with somebody was like, knew when he started dating me that he and he was okay about it and he was like pretty supportive but it really bothered him uh so anyway i started smoking weed with we'll call him duke <laughs> uh started God, smoking i love this so much <laughs> <laughs> so duke Best and i started names. uh smoking weed together after rehearsal and like became fast friends and like and i wasn't really thinking of him in any sort of romantic sense at all but once we started like actually kissing and stuff at rehearsals, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I like kissing him. Like, I was like, oh, geez. Like, okay. Um, and it just kind of went on and on, and we got really close through that process, like like you do. And then the night we opened, like, I was just riding this high. It was, like, one of my favorite, like, theatrical experiences. Like, I was so happy. I loved the people I was working with. And we all went out and got drunk. And then I kissed him after we left the bar. And I was like shaking and I was like, I I feel so fucking bad. Like, and the main thing that was like really troubling me was that everything that Bosch like didn't understand about me, he didn't understand that I wanted to be, that I didn't want to be monogamous. He just didn't fucking understand that. He didn't fully accept my sexuality, which is bisexuality. He was, I think, intimidated by it and like, uh, was kind of shitty about that. Yeah. And I'll get back to that. But I met Duke and Duke was just like fully accepting of me and like everything I said that didn't understand. He was like, Oh, I get that. I've actually been through that. And so like we were connecting on this way where like I needed acceptance and he was giving me acceptance yeah. in this way that like I really badly needed with Bosch and wasn't getting. And so I cheated on Bosch that night. And for the first time 
And that was like three and a half years in. That was like pretty close to the end. Yeah. Surprise. <laughs> um, Spoilers. Yeah. But then like I found myself over the next like few weeks of like that we ran that show. Like I was like falling in love with Duke and it was fucked up and like ripping me apart inside. I didn't know what to do. Like I really truly loved Bosch like still. And I just knew that if I stayed with Bosch, I would have a good life, but it wouldn't be an honest life and it wouldn't be the life that I really truly want. Yeah. So like that was like having that realization and then not knowing how to end it, not having the guts to end it, not wanting to end it. Cause like if I could have kept that relationship and continued on with dating other people, like I fucking would have, like we were really good together and my family and friends loved him. Like we were really compatible in a lot of ways and had a lot of fun together. Uh, but it just wasn't right. And so I, I never did anything with Duke other than kissing, which was such a weird line because we were kissing on stage every night and every night in rehearsal for like a whole summer. So like that line got really blurry and like we would, I would kiss him off stage and it's like, well, it was just super blurry line. Um, and two weeks after the show closed, like I was like, heartbroken and distraught and like didn't know I wanted to be with Duke so bad but like fucking couldn't and so I just told Bosch everything like two weeks later I don't like lying I don't like cheating I like everything to be above board which is like what is appealing to me about polyamory is like yeah yeah everyone involved knows what the situation is and wants it yeah and I like I that's one of the most appealing parts of it to me I don't like I didn't like sneaking around I didn't like cheating and that's not the first time I've cheated on someone either like it's kind of always been a problem with me but that was the biggest one that was the biggest betrayal and like the biggest shittiest thing I've ever done because that was like his biggest thing was like if you cheat on me like my life is over is how he thought about was how how he perceives um infidelity which a lot of people yeah. do and i get that like if your partner lies to you and goes behind your back and does something they said they wouldn't that's fucked up like um so i did that and he flipped like through things swearing like oh he did not i mean it's no it was no surprise he didn't take it well it's pretty much exactly what i expected uh So he was just like, fuck you, and just left. And I was, like, crushed. But, like, at the same time, I felt this, like, weight lifted off my shoulders. And it felt right breaking up. Even though I didn't want it to happen, it felt right. And so, like, um, we ended up getting back together. And one of the... He kind of showed up at my house like Topanga style <laughs> like a month later, <laughs> like a month later and was just like, this doesn't make any sense. Like we love each other. Like we should be together. And I, my heart knew, my heart didn't feel like that was right. But I said yes anyway, because I was like, I feel like I owe it to our relationship to like give it a chance and like see if we could make this work. A month went by. Oh, one of the things, his, one of his conditions of getting back together was... I was no longer allowed to speak to Duke. I couldn't, couldn't talk to him, couldn't contact him. I had to go to him and tell him like, I couldn't, I I can never see you again. 
And so we did that. I went to Duke's house and was like, hey, like, and I told him the deal and he, and he was heartbroken. He started sobbing He's and I started sobbing and it didn't feel right to say yeah. goodbye. It was really awful. It was really fucking awful. So like I have to go to Duke's house, break his heart and then go back to Bosh. feeling heartbroken myself about that and continue on. <laughs> and that month that we tried to keep going was weird. And the kind of final straw that broke us up was we got in a fight about my sexuality because it was always kind of something that like he was kind of the first person I came out to in my adult life, like really explicitly. Yeah. And, uh, so talking and he kind of always thought of it as like, what's in it for me? Like he was like, Oh sweet. Like that means I can have a threesome, you know, like you're bisexual, like cool. And you know, so, right. So, that was super shitty the way he thought about it like that, because I didn't necessarily want to have group sex. I, you know, I was like, that's not necessarily what I want. I want to have sex with a woman with you not there like, is what I want. Yeah. Yeah. And so it really, that was another thing that was really bothering me before we broke up the first time was that I'd never explored my sexuality that much. Like I like hooked up with girls, but I never had sex with any. So I felt like, when I moved to Washington, I was like, this isn't going to be something I hide anymore. This is going to be something I'm open about and it's just going to be part of me because it is and it always has been. But like, I'm just not going to hide it. But what that turned into was me just getting drunk and telling people <laughs> that I was bi, <laughs> and which was super weird. And like, that's like why I said in my email to you, like the clunky way I came out, like that's how I came out. I got drunk and told people I'm bisexual because I wanted it to be important and I wanted it here. Go ahead. Oh no, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. I'm holding it. I'm holding it far away. Please don't let me interrupt She's trying to open very slowly. We were, we were talking before this started about how, um, I don't know how to not drink stuff. Oh yeah, no. Mm. I have to have an extreme volume of liquid in me at all times. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just deflecting because I'm feeling vulnerable. Um. Okay, well, uh, my thought when you when you talked about um, when you mentioned getting drunk and telling people yeah. as like your way of revealing stuff, I've done that before with different things. Yeah, like you just you want to share things with people mm-hmm. anyway, but the only time you get a few drinks and you're like fuck it I'm gonna tell (laughs) everybody I just want it to be important and I wanted people to know but because I was in a really heteronormative relationship it's not something that comes up and everyone just assumes I'm straight which I'm not and like uh I was kind of done with that I wanted people to know I wasn't straight because I'm not and uh so (laughs) I just like I feel like looking back I was so young and like I was like 24 I think probably when I started doing this and, uh, yeah, it was, it was weird and I just, but I just wanted it to feel important. So anyway, um, one night I was doing that <laughs> and he was there. Um, Everyone gather around. Yeah. I, 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 just a story. Like, yeah. I just sounded super immature when I did it too. I sounded really immature and like, it was probably very apparent to people older than me that I didn't know myself at all. Like that's kind of how it was. And Anyway, we were with his friends and none of his friends knew I was bi. None of his family knew I was bi because he didn't want them to know. And I was drunk one night and he was like, he kind of shut me up and was like, that's our business. Like, that's like, they don't need to know about 
your sexuality because that's our business. Like we don't need to go around telling people this. I'd be like, no, that's not our business. That's, that's my business. That is exactly what I said. You I was like, this is my sexuality is not your fucking business. That's my shit. And if I want to share it, I can share it. And that was like the biggest fight we'd ever gotten in was that. And like that was pretty close to the end too. So the final fight we had when we broke up was um he he had like a coworker, a female coworker that was like she, just because she uh thinks she's bi doesn't mean she is. Like she's never had sex with a girl. Like I she and she said to him, I've all, had, you, all you need is to think that you are. That's right. what and makes I, it true. Yeah, and I realized I was bi when I was a teenager. Like I mean, growing up, I didn't really know that it was an option. Like, you know, I was boy crazy from the time I was like two. Like, I've always been super like I was engaged twice in preschool. Like I'm I was like (laughs) I was very I've always been very relationship focused. And like who I have a crush on is like the most exciting part of like life to me, which is like why monogamy is so hard. Yeah. And what I'm working on in therapy right now. Why the fuck am I like that? Do I have an addiction to certain behaviors or whatever? Um, which I think I do. Uh, so, um, so anyway, I think I, I probably figured out I was by just from watching porn. <laughs> that is how you figure out a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, I pretty much solely watched, uh, lesbian porn, like all through my teenagehood. Yeah. And, uh, which then later led me to wonder, like, have I just sexualized women? Is it like women are sexualized in my brain because of society being fucked up? So that was something I wondered for a while, but no, like I, <laughs> I like, I think the first time I used to always make out with girls, like, uh, like at parties, like to get boys attention, you know, like that I went through that phase where all my girlfriends wanted to make out with me so that we could get attention and like turn all the boys on. And I was like, sure. (laughs) And like, and so, but then there was this one time where, uh, my friend and I will call her Bether, (laughs) uh, Bether and I, um, (laughs) Bether and I, uh, we're trying to get this attention and we were like about we were wanted to make out and we were trying to get this attention at this party but no one gave a shit like people were preoccupied with something else and nobody was looking at us but we still wanted to make out and we ended up just like going into the bathroom and like making out for like 20 minutes or something like that and then just carried on with life like nothing had happened like and but in my head I felt like fuck yeah, I just made out with Bether. Like, that was so cool. Like, I I was really happy. I was probably like 16. Uh, and I think I was 16 the first time I ever told anybody I was bi, and it was my best friend at the time. We were just best friends for like one year. It was weird. And we're still like in touch, but we were really close our junior year of high school. And she is a lesbian, and she wasn't out then either. Um, and she and I ended up making out <laughs> in a bathroom. This was like where I hooked up with girls was in bathrooms <laughs> at parties. <laughs> it's the one place you know that only girls are going to go into, at yeah. least a public one. Right, like girls going into the bathroom together is not a weird thing. So yeah. um, she had just gotten her tongue pierced, and I was like, I've never made out with anyone who has their tongue pierced. And she was like, well, let's make out then. And we just like went into the bathroom, made out for a while. <laughs> only one solution to that. <laughs> yeah. So, and then we also just carried on like nothing happened and it was just normal when we continued to be best friends. But, um, anyway, okay. Where were we before that? So yeah, flash forward and 
his coworkers telling him, oh, just because she's thinks she's bi doesn't mean she's bi. She's probably just curious. And then she goes on to say, I've had sex with plenty of girls. Doesn't mean I'm bi. I'm straight. And so <laughs> this is this girl's talking to my boyfriend, Bosch. So Bosch comes and is just like, he, he's, we're out. It's my birthday. We're out for my birthday. It's October 9th, 2016. Uh, we're out. Well, I'm turning, I'm turning 26 at midnight and he got a hotel room and like, we had like a great night. We went to a play and a comedy show. It was like the perfect birthday night. We're out, we're drunk in Capitol Hill. And he tells me this, that his coworker told him that. And I was just like, I thought my sexuality was between us. Right. D-Mag. You guys, y'all can't see because you can't see my face, but I am really irritated with this guy right right. now. Right. And the thing is, is like. I loved this person more than I, you know, like it was like a crazy, he was a good, he is a good guy. He's a good person. He just didn't fucking understand me. He didn't like accept me. And that was like, when when I, it all hit me, I was like, this isn't right. Like I just had this reaction of like, do you even fucking know me at all? Like I felt so rejected and like, feeling rejected about my sexuality by the person I love and trust most in the world like was so triggering and I was just like fuck you and we were that couple yelling in the streets of Capitol Hill breaking up on the streets done that yeah. done that <laughs> not in Capitol Hill yeah a different area yeah <laughs> where there are streets right so we we just broke up in the middle of the fucking street and then we had a very quiet cab ride back to our hotel and then we had a whole night and all this shit in this hotel room that we had to pack up and it was the saddest, worst night of my life. It was so fucking sad and we ended up sleeping in that bed together and just like saying goodbye in the morning and I just have this like memory in my head of us brushing our teeth, just crying, both of us just silent and crying and brushing our teeth. Oh, it was so fucking sad. And it was my birthday. It was Aww. my fucking birthday. And we said goodbye. And the I had to do a promo video for Jet City that morning. And it was the promo for periods in history where I'm dressed like a pilgrim and chugging beers and chest bumping. I remember that video. Yes. It's a great video. Well, that video I was, that was the saddest day of my life that I shot that video and it was my birthday (laughs) and I walked into jet city and I saw, uh, the first person I saw, we'll call her, Randy. <laughs> First person I saw, I just, she was just like, I think I'm figuring out the pattern on these names. <laughs> and Randy's a real name too, which is funny. And so is Duke. I love it. But she was just like, oh, hey, happy birthday. How you doing? And I was just like, <laughs> just like st- erupted into tears. And she was like, what the fuck? Like, what's wrong with you? And I told her like me and boss just broke up and then I had to go fucking chug beers. It was like nine in the morning. I hadn't slept. Like I was like all sorts of fucked up. And yeah, I just went home after and was a little buzzed like <laughs> from chugging. <laughs> I think it was cider I was chugging. Anyway, so that was that. And then, uh, it was a really rough day, but I felt really free and like, again, a huge weight lifted off my shoulders, even though I was fucking wrecked. It was like the worst day, but it is pretty symbolic that it ended up on your birthday. Yeah, it actually did. It felt like I was, 
I was entering a new chapter of my life, a new age, 26. Boo. Yeah. I was like, even though I was a mess, it, I felt that I felt that feeling of like a new chapter is beginning and like, I'm stoked for it really. Like, and, uh, yeah, I, w- I ended up like dating Duke for like 11 months after that. Um, mm-hmm. but that relationship with Duke overlapped with my relationship with Mac by about six months. So that was like my first crack at polyamory was yeah. dating those two at once. And meanwhile, I, uh, started dating girls as well. Like, um, had got the dating app, her and like, finally went on a date with a girl. Well, actually that wasn't the first girl I had sex with was not the first girl I took on a date. First time I took uh, someone who's not a dude on a date. It was the night of the election. <laughs> a month. <laughs> so no one was having a good time. Oh my God. I thought it was going to be the Especially two women. Right. Well, this person's actually uh, non-binary, so they are neither identified as woman or man. Oh, okay. But, uh, I was. Oh, that's they, why you said not a dude. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Okay. So, but they, you know, I was like, I went into that night, like we fucking wore pantsuits and went to an election party at the show box and that Dan Savage was hosting. And I'd been listening to Dan Savage because my new therapist told me to. <laughs> and uh, so we went and like, I was like, this is going to be the best fucking night ever. Like if all goes well, that is. And yeah. we both want that. Um, <laughs> and Hillary Clinton's going to be president and like, it's going to be the fucking best. And the night just went, <laughs> it was awful. Uh, so anyway, that's just a funny story. <laughs> uh, did you go on any more dates with them after that? I did. Yeah. A couple more. Yeah. And uh, they're my, they're my friend now. So it, yeah, I, I'm not, I won't tell that story for the sake of their, their privacy. But yeah. um, uh, the first time I had sex with a girl, we'll call her Rosie. Uh, I went out with this girl, Rosie and really liked her. We had like hit it off. Like, had a great time. We like went out to dinner and then just like walked around and smoked weed. And then, uh, she came over and we had sex and I felt like a fucking virgin all over again, dude. I was like, I felt like an adolescent child on a date. Like I was so like having that feeling of like, I just want to get this over with almost like get my, my girl genity out of the way. That's a great word. Girl, yeah, I use it a lot. Uh, I used to be like, I'm such a fucking girl, Jen. Uh. But anyway, uh, yeah, we had sex and it was awesome and I loved it. And I was so relieved because I was worried like that we would have sex and I wouldn't like it and realize I wasn't bi. And all of this like was for naught. <laughs> all of this like uh, confusion and making it such a big deal. So that's another thing I was nervous about. But the thing, okay, even if it hadn't been something you liked, yeah, the fact that you went through that process mm-hmm. weeded out people who just weren't good weren't for, for you anyway. Yeah, that's true. Because even if it doesn't turn out to be something that you want, the fact that there was someone there who was so opposed to you even having that option. Yeah. It's like better to get rid of them anyway. And Duke was great. Like he was so supportive and like 
he was at my house while I was getting ready for that date and like cleaning my rooms just in case she came over. Like, and he was like chilling <laughs> and so cute. Yeah. He was chilling and so nice about it and so supportive and like rooting for me to like have a good experience. And, and I did, I had a great experience and we went out one more time after that and I had another great experience, but dating girls taught me like is different and taught me some things. It taught me, I experienced for the first time, like, people being creepy about or like rude about uh, non-hetero couples out in public. Like mm-hmm. we went dancing the second time we went out and like we looked up, we were having such a good time. We were dancing like super into each other, like having a blast. And we look up and there's just like creepy dudes sort of like lined the room, just staring at us. There was like a band playing and I'm like, you, they we were there to watch the band and like they were all just watching us dance like fucking sexualizing the shit out of us and we left we were like fuck this like I'm not (laughs) and it sucked because we were having such a good time but like like a bunch of creepy straight dudes like uh ruined that so we left and then we went to another place to play pool we were playing pool and like these dudes kept coming up to us trying to like teach us how to play pool. <laughs> and I was like, get the fuck out of here. Like I'm on a date, mister. Like shoot, <laughs> go away. Stop mansplaining pool to me. I can fucking play pool. I am trying to be charming yeah, and skilled and I need you to leave. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, like don't show my date how to shoot pool. You're what you think is properly. Like she's doing fine. Um, so those were interesting experiences. I'd never been on a date and had people be weird about it. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I, I kind of noticed from dating other bi women is that like, because a lot of us have like kind of dated men most of our lives and that's kind of more familiar just because society steered us in that direction and yeah. told us that was our only option. <laughs> um, when we date each other and this is a blanket statement, but it does not apply to all bi women. I'm sure there's plenty of bi women out there more experienced and skilled and cool in me. But I found that like, because women are so used to being pursued like by men, yeah, uh, two women t- together who are used to being pursued by men, like trying to pursue each other was like, it felt like we were in eighth grade in a sense. Like yeah. we felt, it was like when she was over my apartment, I was just like, like, like those awkward moments of like, how do I get my arm around her? Like, how do I, you know, cause neither of us were making any moves because we're not used to being the ones making the moves, yeah. which I found like up to be a pattern on all my dates with girls because yeah, it, we're just not used to it. So that was an interesting thing to figure out. Um, so anyway, that's that, that's that part. That's the sexuality part. I guess the um, the only other thing is like, I think another thing that made it hard to come out was when I was like 12, I think the first time I ever heard what bisexuality was, was from my mom. And my mom was telling me that she thinks that bisexuality isn't real because it's just people who are oversexed is what she said. She thought that there was no such thing as being bi, but that it was just people who were just so horny. They just wanted to fuck everyone pretty much is what my mom told me when I was 12. And that was my intro to bisexuality. And granted, I am a very horny person, but that has nothing to do with my sexuality. That's just my own libido and whatever. But yeah, she told me that and that stuck in my head forever. And when I came out to my mom, it was like 
a couple days after Beep. and I, oh shit, I fucked it up. Bosh. <laughs> we'll call it's, her. It's such a common name. <laughs> we, we can totally take that out. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> just beep it. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Beep the real name, but. <laughs> we just got to keep this impenetrable code. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, so. Uh, yeah, she asked me, what was, like, why did you, why did you break up? Like, what was the last fight about? And I was like, well, I guess this is the moment I come out to my mom. So I just told her what our fight was about. And it was about me being bisexual and him not un- fully accepting that. And and I was like, I, the reason I never told you that I was bisexual is because of what you said to me when I was 12. And I told her what I said, what she said. And she was just like, oh, my God, like, I'm so sorry. Like, I, uh, you know, I, I kind of remember saying that I felt like. I had a dream about that or something and I was just like voicing it and, and like telling you, uh, but I'm so sorry that I said that and that you took it to heart and that's why you didn't ever tell me. Like I, she felt really bad and was just like, I never, you were always so boy crazy. I never even considered that you could have liked curls. Like I never really thought about that. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, great. My mom's killing it right now. She's killing it with the coming out game. And then she goes, but let's not tell your father, though. Oh, no. I was like, oh, you're doing so good, Mom. You're doing so good. And then she said that. She was like, well, like, obviously, like, if you ever have a girlfriend you want us to meet or something, like, yes, of course, we'll tell him then. But, like, pretty much just, like, let's not bother him with that now. So it sounds like she was still, like, not convinced that it was a thing. Legitimate or, or an important part of me, which... We haven't talked about it since, haven't mentioned it, but that was like a couple years ago and I haven't told my dad. My dad's one of the, or my brother, I guess, don't know that I'm bi either. I I finally came out to like my girlfriends from home again and I was wasted <laughs> when I told them. I, I feel like a coward. I feel like I needed alcohol to like get the courage to like tell people that really important thing about me. It, that happens. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, and then the whole, so that's that, that's that, that's all I wanted to say about that, I think. Um, so yeah, I, and then in the last year have fucked up polyamory a lot. It's not easy and it's like, one time Duke and I were upset with each other and he was like, if you fucking chose non-monogamy because you thought it would be easier, like, get, buckle up, honey, because it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easier. It's just like more off. It's more real to me personally. So like I have nothing against monogamy or people that choose monogamy. I think it's a fine choice for people. Like I think that it's, um, but the, I think the problem with our society and monogamy is that it's kind of like the default kind of yeah. like being straight is the default. So like a lot of people go into monogamy without making the conscious choice that that's what they want, you know? Like some people go and that's why people fuck it up so much. That's why so many people cheat and lie and stuff because they think monogamy is their only option. And then, but then they're not good at it or maybe it's not for them, but they'd rather just keep trying to live that life and fuck it up and hurt people, which is what I was doing for so long was fucking it up and hurting people uh, rather than just accepting that maybe monogamy is not for you. Maybe that's not, and, and it's not something they ever chose it's just what society kind of defaulted them yeah. to with. I don't know how to say that. But um, but like 
so if people are like really consciously think like what kind of relationship structures do I want? What is best for me? Um, and they consider all the options and they choose monogamy. That's great. If they're like, I want one person forever. Like that's beautiful and awesome. And like, I think because I can't do it, I'm like impressed by it, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Um, but like, yeah, I had to like, it was so such like a fucking horrible experience having to unlearn monogamy and unlearn jealousy and all these things that like I was told were normal my whole life, which for me isn't like, I would rather, you know, like, like, like back in the day, I thought if someone cheated on someone, like, like that's fucked up, they should be dumped. They should never be spoken to again. Like that's kind of what a lot of people think about cheating. But like once I actually cheated on someone, I was like, Oh shit. Like things are not this blessed. So black and white, like things are not, you know, I understand why people get back together and keep trying after infidelity. So like the last couple of years has just been me kind of researching uh, polyamory and non-monogamy and all this stuff. And I've learned so much, but I still am so early on in that journey that I've like made a lot of fuck ups, like a couple things when, so I was dating Duke and I, uh, asked out Mac and like Mac was somebody I'd kind of had my eye on for like a long time. Like I met him at SFIT in 2016. So like early in the year in February. And then we added each other on social media, but I was dating Bosch and was just kind of like put up my blinders. Like, you know, mm-hmm. not going to really even consider that because I can't, <laughs> you know? And so a year went by and like we, he just kept popping up in my feed and I was like, Oh, that guy's cute. Like shit. <laughs> He's funny. I think we would like each other. I just yeah. had like this, I just had this like really, really strong feeling we would like each other. And so I messaged him and just asked him out uh, like a year after we met. So it was so random, like really out of the blue. Uh, and when I met him, he was like, I told him right up front, like, I just want to tell you, like, I'm polyamorous and I'm in another relationship. Uh, I'm also bisexual. And like, I, and he just was like, cool. <laughs> It was so refreshing for him. You know, Duke had really accepted me fully as well, but like he has a brother who's bisexual. He's in, he's been actors. So he's known people who are polyamorous. Yeah. Like a lot of actors tend to be polyamorous for some reason. Um, maybe just cause of their weird life. <laughs> and well, uh, when you're in such an integral part of acting is being willing to be open and intimate and, with people. Yeah, intimate with other people mm-hmm. and knowing, at least to a certain extent, being willing to be honest with yourself and figure out who you are. Because so much of mm-hmm. what you draw on oh, yeah. to develop a character is based on your own experiences. That's what a lot of acting training is, is just literally ripping yourself open. Yeah. <laughs> and being able to be so vulnerable that like you can like you can like cry at the top of a fucking hat. You're so such like an open wound. And like my friend who went to grad school for, um, acting for a bit and then he dropped out. I think he failed out, (laughs) but he, he's like something I really didn't like about it was I didn't want to be an fucking open wound all the time. Yeah, Like I love, I loved acting and he's a really good actor, but he kind of dropped it because he was like, fuck that. Like, I don't want to be like that all the time. And there are some people who love being like that all the time. You know, like I've known so many actors that are like, 
revel in their own vulnerability. And that's cool. Like that's, that's fine. But (laughs) yeah, I think that's why a lot of them become non-monogamous because they've got these weird lives and they develop these really close relationships with strangers all the time. And then say goodbye and you move on to your next project or whatever. Yeah. And they get used to that action because it seems to me, I haven't gone through it, but Mm -hmm. um, it seems like the going with polyamory is so hard because you have to, since monogamy is the default, you have to Mm -hmm. like inherently be that much more off the bat. Is that a phrase? Did I just say that right? (laughs) Off the bat. (laughs) I don't know. Right from the beginning. We'll just go with that. Um, Honest and open with the people you're going to be in relationships with. Mm -hmm. Like monogamy, you can just slide into it and you may never actually have to know Mm -hmm. who the other person is because you're just doing what you're expected to do. And there's less communication involved too. Like there's so much communication involved in non-monogamy you have to talk a lot and you have to be talk about details that's kind of something I'm really learning right now that's kind of what I'm discovering is like you have to be specific when you're talking about like what you are and aren't okay with and I think that's something that Mac and I are realizing like we need to do more of is like because it hasn't been you know the the non-monogamous aspect of our relationship has been really clunky and like I've fucked it up a lot like not doing things right or well or communicating well. So anyway, yeah, what you're saying, uh, I think monogamous couples talk less about their, they don't, they analyze their relationship less. Oh yeah. And having been in monogamous relationships that required getting to that point where you actually do have to talk about stuff, Mm -hmm. it's exhausting doing it with a single person. Mm -hmm. So to have to do that with any person that you want to pursue mm-hmm. and having it be multiple people. I don't know how, how many mm-hmm. you've ever um, like been involved with at a single time, but having, having to have that process with one person is just like, woof. Right. Well, that is something that ended up happening was I was in two, I was in two pretty serious relationships for six months. Like, Boop. and I, Oh damn it. I did it again. <laughs> You don't have to bleep it. I was, I'm just being silly by not using his real no, name. It's not, it's not silly. <laughs> it's understandable. Yeah. So, oh man, I don't even remember what I was saying. I get so st- like stunned when I say their real um, names. I mentioned how exhausting it is to have to be uh, open with more than one person oh, at a time. Right, right. So, And you six, said there was overlap. Yeah, there was six the months of overlap and it was, it was exhausting. Two relationships. Oh my God. Like, it honestly kind of what I took away after Duke and I broke up was, I don't know if polyamory is what I want. I think I just want an open relationship, but I don't necessarily want more than one serious romantic partner because that was exhausting. And I didn't even realize how exhausting it was until six months went by and my self-care was so out the fucking window. I was like a mess. And one day Duke was just like, are you okay? And I just started bawling. I had no idea I wasn't okay. It was one of those moments where you're like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> like, no, I'm not. And yeah, it was just a, a you know, I, I, yeah, it was too much, honestly. And, and to do comedy at the same time, like comedy is a relationship, a serious relationship in itself was in that it takes yeah. so much of your time and energy and love and attention. And so, yeah, I kind of decided eventually, like, I don't think I want 
two serious romantic partners. I don't think that's what I need. And what I'm realizing too is that like non-monogamy is very customizable. It's like you and your partner have to kind of figure out how it works for you and what your relationship is because there's like monogamy, which is a very cut and dry, like these are the rules. We all understand them and we're going to follow them the best we can. Yeah. But polyamory, you know, you can, you can also make that cut and dry and say, well, we just date other people and have multiple romantic relationships and that's just how it goes. But that I don't think is going to work for Mac and I. I think something else is going to work for Mac and I. I think we just have to like figure out exactly what that is. And that's kind of what we're working on right now is figuring out what is okay, what isn't okay. And uh, I think I've done some things that weren't okay. And like having to hold myself accountable for that and like I'm learning, I'm just constantly learning lessons by fucking it up. (laughs) And like there's a book that I listened to this podcast called Polyamory Weekly with, and the host's name is Cunning Minx. That's her pseudonym anyway. Um, she's like super adorable and nerdy and been doing polyamory for forever. And like, I love listening to her, but she wrote a book called, uh, the eight things I wish I knew about polyamory before I tried it and fracked it all up is the title of her book. <laughs> I really Someone should... watches Battlestar Galactica. Really? Is that a frack? Fracked? Frack is like their version of fuck. Oh, okay. And I just said how nerdy she was. So that just proves it. <laughs> Sold. Yes. But yeah, she's great. And I really should read that book. I haven't read it. I've read the, the um, Ethical Slut, which was the first book my therapist my therapist is fucking awesome. One of the one of the last things Bosch said to me was, "You need to fucking go to therapy and figure out why you do this to people." And that's not the first time I've heard that. So I was like, All "And you're right. like, buddy, that's the smartest thing you've ever said." Yeah, yeah, right. So it, I mean, it was kind of like rude the way he like said it. It was like, yeah. "You need to figure out what's fucking wrong with you." But like, I'm like, "You're right. I think I do need to figure out not what's wrong with me, but when I went to therapy for the first time." what she did was just pretty much validate me in a way that was really important. I was like, what's wrong with me? Like, why do I do this? Why do I want this? Um, and she was just like, you know, have you ever considered that there's nothing wrong with you? (laughs) And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, what if this is just how you are? What if you are just a very like romantic centered and like relationship based person that like really loves to love and like, maybe that's okay as long as you do it ethically. And I was like, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think that is just how I am. And like, I want to be able to be how I am and not hurt people because I've always hated hurting people. Like that's what fucks me up the most is like how many people I've hurt. And like when I didn't want to, when I really cared about them, like truly cared about them. And so, yeah, she was like, here's this book, read the ethical slut, see what you think listen to Dan Savage. And I was like, who the fuck's that? And she was like, he has a podcast and he's a columnist. Like, and so I started listening to him and like, what that did for me is make me feel less alone. Like there's a bunch of people that are non-monogamous that call into his show. And I think that's why she wanted me to hear it was because it normalized it for me and made it, made me see that it is okay to do that. And that a lot of people are doing it. A lot of people around me are doing it more than I ever realized until I became non-monogamous. I started talking to people and they were like, oh yeah, me too. And I was just like, what? Really? Like, let's talk. (laughs) You know, that happens to me all the time. Uh, so yeah, therapy just made me feel like less alone. I felt pretty isolated and alone after Bosch and I broke up. But anyway, yeah, so I read that book. That was a good book, but I should really read the book about 
by the woman that's like, I fucked it all up in the beginning and here's what I learned because I feel like I'm doing that right now. I feel like I'm fucking it up and I need to, you know, I'm going to look back on this time right now and be like, oh, you are so young. Like, I just feel that. I feel really <laughs> young. <laughs> I feel young and dumb and like, you know, I need to, uh, yeah, get my shit together more. But well, you know, doing this right now, it's not in book form, but you are doing the exact same thing where you're like, this is what I fucked up and this is what I yeah. learned from it. This does feel like therapy and that I've just been talking about myself the whole time. <laughs> but at the same time, uh, depending on how many people actually listen to this, like there's probably going to be someone else mm-hmm. who is like, oh shit, I'm attempting to do that process or mm-hmm. in the middle of that process too. And they're mm-hmm. also going to say, I'm not alone doing it. Yeah, I hope so. And I hope that people that want to do it, like uh, do their research and like really look into it. And um, if they want to try it, like just, you know, be ethical about it, be good about it. Don't like, I don't know. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> I have a question. Sure. Um, Cause you have used polyamory and you mentioned polyamory and an open relationship mm-hmm. like they are two different concepts yeah. but what would the difference between those two be so polyamory like means in latin many loves like polyamory and like it means that you date and fall in love with other people and like have meaningful romantic relationships multiple ones at a time yeah which I don't have fucking time for, which is what I realized. <laughs> but an open relationship, I think kind of the ideal relationship for me and what you know Mac and I are working on and trying to figure out is like an open relationship where there's no promise of monogamy, but we are primary partners that like, you know, our feelings come first, each other's feelings, I mean. And, uh, and like, I think in my ideal world like I would be able to date other people but not have it be a serious thing and like I'd ideally like to date other people who are also in a serious thing so like I'd like to maybe have somebody like that's kind of a friend that I hook up with and yeah that I get to know really well but like they have their relationship and I have my relationship and we're just a casual thing it's kind of like what I want if that's gonna end up working I don't know like we're figuring it out um so that I, that to me, I would classify that as an open relationship and not polyamory because I'm not I'm not trying to fall in love with someone else like not and and be serious with them like that doesn't sound it sounds like it would just take a lot of my time <laughs> yeah and like yeah it's the emotional commitment yeah level that defines it right and I want to date people and care about them but I don't want to I don't want to like have a serious relationship with anyone else because the one I have is really fucking good and like I don't ever want to fuck it up. So I do my best not to fuck it up. Like I have my last ones. Yeah. Thank you for explaining the difference for me. Yeah. I'm here to learn. Yeah. No, seriously. Any, you can ask me anything. Well, uh, several times now you've talked about, um, like when you actually started the polyamory, like actually started practicing it mm-hmm. and you've been like, I, I messed that up on a few occasions, but you've only talked about them vaguely. Yeah. Do you want to share specific instances? I, guess, I think cause they're just so like recent and raw that I'm like hesitant, but I'll share one thing like the, uh, in October, back in October, like I went on a date and it did not go over well with Mac. Like he was really 
it was just bad timing and I kind of sprung it on him last minute. Like I told him the day of the date that we were going out and uh-huh. I should have told him before that, but he was kind of having a rough weekend and like I was, I just didn't want to bring it up when he was having a rough weekend, like when he was already having some issues and like, I didn't want to add anything to it. Like I, w- I was like, I'm just going to tell him when he's feeling better. And like, so I did, he, he called me the morning that I was, had a date scheduled and he knew I, we were both on okay Cupid. Like we were both talking to people on dating apps and like, so it wasn't like I sprung on him that I was going, like I was talking to people like he knew yeah. that. Um, but, uh, so, I got really like that day, I got very like self righteous about it and was like, I need this. Like, I need to go do this. Like, for me, like, for my self care, like, to make myself feel happy and like, and all this stuff. And uh, so, when he was really uncomfortable with this particular date I was going on, I kind of just went anyway. And I like didn't consider his feelings first and he didn't feel like he had any control. Um, and I went on this date and, uh, and then it took a few days of cleanup. Like he was really hurt by me, felt really betrayed and like, uh, just really mad at me and, and uncomfortable. He's like, if this is how polyamory is, I don't fucking want it. Yeah. And I understand that. I totally immediately afterwards felt guilt and like, I, got everything he said to me. I was like, I get everything you're saying. Like, I agree with everything you're saying. And I think I fucked up and I think I learned a lot from this whole thing. Number one, to give you a lot of time in advance notice if I'm going to go see somebody and I would want the same courtesy. So, So I can really, so you can process it and be like, am I actually okay with this? Because if you're not, it shouldn't happen. And he wasn't okay with it. And it happened anyway. And like, so that was like a big fuck up and, you know, and I think that there were, there was stuff in our relationship that we needed to work out and I think some of my needs weren't being met and rather than figure that out, I went to have my needs met from someone else and like, that's not, that shouldn't be how, why you do this. Like a part of me, one of the, the things I thought was so appealing about polyamory was that you don't is that you don't have to put all of your needs and all of your expectations onto one person. Like if like, let's say, let's say you love hiking and like your partner doesn't love hiking. That's okay. If they don't love hiking, they don't have to love hiking. Like they don't have to satisfy that need that, that want I have to like have a partner to go hiking with. Like I could have a partner to go hiking with that can satisfy that need. And like, and I, I think a lot of monogamous couples that I see that are unhappy, they put so much, expectation on the other person to fulfill all their needs and all their desires and everything they need and want, which I think is so unfair to expect that from anybody. Like, I don't think anybody should, you know, need to fulfill all of another person's needs. I think that's unrealistic. Yeah. They're either doing that or they're the half of it that tries to fundamentally change themselves to accommodate the other person. Right. And that's not fair to ask that of somebody. And a lot of people do. And I see it in my friends that are like getting married and stuff. And it really makes me anxious and makes me just fearful for them. Like, yeah, I don't see that ending well. Um, yeah. Either, either one or both parties ends up trying to completely be a different person or it becomes that thing of, 
like we compartmentalize our lives and it's funny Mm -hmm. because he does this thing that I don't like and I do this thing in response. And then Mm -hmm. it's like the uh, the discomfort and like sort of aggression and frustration that comes from that is like, haha, isn't that just what being married is like? We're yeah, just going right. to be unhappy. Half so the many time. people. And I fucking hate when people like act all bitter about marriage and then act like that's normal and okay. When they're just like, Ugh, like, like complaining about their wife, like, Ugh, don't get ever get married. I'm like, uh, then why are you married? You don't have to be. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually an option. Yeah. People so don't realize that that's an stop option. Stop stabbing yourself in the hand and bitching that it hurts. Yeah, right. But I'm happy with how society is kind of evolving and, and open relationships are becoming more common is because because people that those old people complaining about their wives didn't know that they had that option when they were younger. No fucking idea. Everyone thought monogamy was the only option. Not everybody. Like people have been practicing non-monogamy for centuries, but like our, the way our society is now is a very heteronormative monogamy centered society. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you see it a lot with like social media trends and like weddings and stuff and like babies. And now that that's happening with all my friends and I'm sure people, you know, too, it's uh oh i well i went to a catholic college oh, yeah. so, so everyone got married I, when they were- I, yeah i've already hit that point with mm-hmm. more than one person because they were like straight out of college we're getting married yeah i'm like well, what right <laughs> power to you right and like the whole the social media trends of weddings make me want to barf and like I'm about to be in my best friend's wedding. And you don't like, want to put everything in a mason jar? <laughs> right. <laughs> I've been to weddings where I'm like, this is a very Pinterest-inspired wedding, and I'm not mad about it. It's a very nice wedding. Um, I feel like there are a lot of old ladies out there really sad because uh, <laughs> they don't have anything to put their jams in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where did all my mason jars go? Oh, they're all at millennial weddings. <laughs> I'm trying to actually use them. <laughs> My marmalade's going to go bad really fast. <laughs> but my granddaughter needs her DIY wedding. <laughs> Put a tea light in it and call it a day. Yeah. I'm all for DIY weddings. Like, please don't spend all your life savings on your fucking wedding. But like... Just the dress. But I... Right. Right. <laughs> but I feel like some people want to get married because they want the pictures. Is that oh. a bad thing to say? Like, I feel it like- would be a bad thing to say if it weren't true. <laughs> but it is. But like, and that's and the and public proposals and like, I've seen public so proposals many, make me so uncomfortable. They make me want to puke and then eat my puke. You're I like think, that would be more pleasant than being faced with this question, right? In a crowd, because there's no way to say no, right? A crowd, or even just like people post videos of themselves proposing to each other on Instagram all the time. I see people proposing on Instagram, and I'm like, uh, if I get proposed to someday, if that's ever something me and a partner wants, I want it to be like private and romantic, and like because to me that's a big fucking deal, a big decision to make, and yeah. like. I, I'm not just going to do it so that I can put a video of it on Instagram because everyone else is. And I don't want to have a wedding just because everyone else is. And I feel this pressure. Like I see it happening and it makes me so sad. And that's why you saw this bit when we Mac and I tricked an audience into thinking he was proposing to me. <laughs> I fucking, I believed it. Yeah. I was that person who was like, oh my God, is this real? I is did this it. happening right now? Right. It was at a sketch show and I had been so sickened by all the videos of proposals that were bad. I kept seeing 
And so I made one <laughs> and my sketch group was like, yeah, let's fuck with this audience and make them think you're getting proposed to. It was to. so good. It was so. But it, you're also, I mean, I've said this to you before, but you are an incredible actor and that's what <laughs> sold it. So like, this looks like it could be a joke, but you looked so goddamn surprised yeah, by the I, whole thing. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this just might be actually happening. I know. And how did you feel? Um, I was like. I don't I don't even know what my feeling was. It was like everything was tense, but it was like kind of exciting, mm-hmm. but partly because I did not know how it was going to go. Right. And then there was a part of me that was like, this is do you want to do this? Is this how you want to go about it? Right. There was that bit of like, how would you possibly say no? Right. But like what ended up happening in the sketch was he ended up getting in a car accident on his way to the theater and uh, I he was covered in blood and he died in my arms while I was planning our wedding. There was a lot of <laughs> I was just like, Kayla weeping afterward and then other people rubbing the blood off of her and dressing her up like Jesus for the on, next thing. Yeah, I came back on stage covered in his blood and and <laughs> they're like, I'm sorry, your boyfriend died. I was like, my fiance. <laughs> and I was just like it's making okay, honey you look so pretty <laughs> wiping the blood off yeah I was just making fun of everyone who fucking does that who fucking like proposes in public with a video or some shtick you know like yeah sometimes they're funny they're entertaining to watch sometimes and I was directly parodying what I found on the internet of this guy that proposes to his girlfriend in a movie theater and the movie trailer pops up and he uh makes it's essentially I did it word for word I just copied it so I'll have to send it to you yes (laughs) I I want to see the inspiration yeah and then he's like in the in the trailer he's like then he starts running to the movie theater to go propose to her and she knows it's happening and it shows him driving in his car and running to the theater so in ours the car just crashes (laughs) and he fucking dies (laughs) (laughs) Uh, this is good times but that's kind of like was influencing my sketch was just how uncomfortable I am with heteronormative societal stuff like that. Yeah. Well, and I think it's not a coincidence that kind of this, especially in Seattle exploration of polyamory as a concept comes at the same time as people finally addressing other power dynamics that Mm. exist in society. Totally. Like what, what, what kind are you thinking of? Which ones? Oh, just like, you know, racial issues that, Mm -hmm. you know, well-to-do white people have been able to ignore for so long. Finally, it's talking about how those dynamics are present all the time, whether there is something outwardly racist going on. It's like, no, that we have set this up for, to exist this way for so long that, you know, black people feel this stress every single day. Right. And we need regardless to of whether it. we need to be, we just need yeah. to be fucking real about shit and yeah. like talk about things and like figure out like what parts of our society shouldn't be there. What's what parts of our society have fucked us up and like in so many ways. And that's a great example of like, you know, black people needing like white people just need to acknowledge what they go through and like uh, try to understand it. Yeah. But it seems to me, yeah, so much of the difference between polyamory and monogamy is that being aware of power dynamics and deliberately making 
both sides of the relationship equal because Mm -hmm. you have to. You have to directly address the needs of the other person. Right. And you have to, yeah, you have to try and understand each other and communicate and talk way too much. But um, I never think. I don't, I actually don't think it's a physical possibility to talk too much. <laughs> I'm that person and not everyone. Well, we've been it. going for 70 minutes now. Yeah. That's a, I there's been that much to talk about. Yeah, I guess so. I'm sure I could keep going, but you know, all good things must come to an end. <laughs> Where there, there can always be later episodes. Feel free to come back. I would love that. Anytime. Well, I'll let you know more. what I fuck up between now and then. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll go away <laughs> and I'll go fuck some shit up and then I'll come back and be like, Sam, Rob, I have fucked some shit up. Let me tell you. Oh, there's one more thing that you have mentioned that I wanted to ask you about. Mm-hmm. And it says running into Bosch last night. Oh my God. I can't believe I didn't fucking tell you this yet. Holy shit. Last night, like a few, like 12 hours ago, I saw Bosch for the first time since my birthday. And I ran into him at the show box. Mac and I are at the show box. And I went to the bathroom. I was coming out of the bathroom and I see Bosch's sister. And we pass each other and she didn't see me. And I just was like, holy shit, that was Bosch's sister, Bera. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yogi? Yeah, <laughs> Yogi Bera. Uh, um, and then the next person my eyes see is uh, Bosch's cousin and Bosch's cousin's boyfriend. And then next to them is Bosch. And I was just like, holy shit. Hey, guys. Oh, my God. Like, And I hugged the cousin and the boyfriend. And then I hugged Bosch and just started weeping. Oh. I, just in his arm. Like, it was just so emotionally charged. Like, we were together for three and a half years and then just like cut off contact. And he's not the type of person that likes to be friends with his exes. And I am like, I'm friends with most people I've ever dated that will still talk to me. Um, but I saw him and just like wept in his arms for like five minutes. I was just like, it's so good to see you. Holy shit. Like we were both shaking and like, and then his sister came out of the bathroom and I went over to her and hugged her and just wept in her arms for a minute. Like she and I were really close and like, I really like her. She's younger than us. And so I always felt very protective over her and she moved here from Connecticut recently. And like, I haven't seen her and, oh, it was just like, I was like, I kept apologizing. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm fucking crying. <laughs> like, I'm so sorry. Um, but he was like happy to see me and it felt really good. He was like, so what's up? Like, how's comedy? Like, where, like, who are you here with? And I was like, my boyfriend, Mac. <laughs> and he looked pretty uncomfortable when I said that, but then was just like, okay, cool. Like, and it was like a positive experience. It was really tough seeing him and seeing his family. Yeah. I'm happy it was his family members because his friends like do not like me anymore. I don't think like they all were very like the first time I cheated on him, we got back together. They, there was one of them that refused to even be in the house when I was in the house because I had cheated. And even though he forgave me, his family forgave me. Like it was a big thing. They were assholes. So I was happy it was just his sister and his cousin because they were like, we miss you. Like, it's okay. Like, they were trying to, like, make me stop crying. Uh, but that just happened last fucking night. And that was wild. That I'm, was I'm wild. glad you got to have that interaction. Yeah. Because, I mean, it, it would have been terrible if you ended up in that situation and they were all like, why don't you just fuck off? Right. No, but they- to to be there and be able to 
have that and have that be the response. Yeah. They were happy to see me. It kind of sounds like maybe, you know, he learned a little something from it too. Sure. And like, I know that he understands why I did what I did now. Like we really dissected that when we were stuck in that hotel room all night before we broke up is that like, we just don't want the same things. And like, he can't hate me for that. He can't hate me. He can hate me for cheating on him. That's for sure. Like I can understand him being bitter about that. But like the fact that we just kind of grew into different people that didn't want the same things was like, I think he understands that. I think his sister understands that. And like, I don't think they hate me. I think they just hated seeing him hurt, you know? So anyway, yeah, that was just last night. I'm still like processing that kind of. And Mac was super understanding and cool about that. I walked over and like, then started crying again and was like, I just was so happy to see them. Like, <laughs> you know, it's great. Life is crazy. You get really close to people and then you say goodbye to oh, them. Yeah. And that's like, it's just very strange. Life is fucking weird. And life is weird that like, I just run into them like last fucking night of all nights. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that was crazy. <laughs> and that brings us to today. Yeah, today I'm sitting here in my pajamas. I'm so glad you're like a let's record my podcast at 1 p.m. person instead of 10 a.m. Like a lot of people. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not doing that. A lot of people, probably me included, are like, let's do it at 10 a.m. Let's get it out of the way. But like I needed this morning. I was hungover and high and I juiced, though, to make up for it. I was like, I'm going to juice to be healthy. While I'm t- I just got up late because <laughs> I was busy watching Forensic Files. Ah, oh, good. Fun. That is good fun. <laughs> is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Well, no. I guess those are a lot of my fuck-ups I just laid out on the table. That's it did like- bring us up to literally right now, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we actually got the whole story up to this very minute. Yeah, up to so. last night. Yeah. Yeah. Wild shit, man. Uh, but yeah, the only thing like as you know, yeah, I'm only my first name is being said on this, so I could be anybody. Ooh. I could be any Kayla, you know. Don't trust <laughs> or any. Don't of, know. Yeah, don't trust any of your Kaylas. This could be her. <laughs> hide your kids. Hide your wife. <laughs> there definitely haven't been any context clues for anyone who knows <laughs> no. you already. <laughs> nope. Nope. Ah, good shit. Well, thank you so much for having me on this. I think this podcast is a really good idea. Thank you. Yeah. I think it's good for people to be, just be fucking real. And, uh, that's the whole base of your podcast, which I really, really like, which is why I was like, yes, I want to be on that. Let's fucking talk about real shit, please. I'm super happy to have you on and I'm glad you wanted to. And I'm glad you shared everything that you shared. Thanks. Because I feel like I got a lot out of it. Cool. So I hope you got something out of it. I think so. I hope everyone listening got something out of it. Me too. Me too. Start whispering. We're to practicing them. our NPR voices. Yes. <laughs> ASMR. Listen to just this last minute. People are like turning up their this. shit. Like, what's going on? Where'd they go? <laughs> what is this tiny mouse standing at the microphone? <laughs> uh, I have. I've seen things <laughs> in the walls. <laughs> okay well i feel bad for talking so much because after i complimented your amazing radio voice because i didn't we didn't get to hear much of it the whole point is for you to talk yeah i rattled i was scared i was shaken could i I wonder if you'll be able to hear it my voice i was shaking i didn't hear it i uh 
won't listen to this. I can't listen. I won't be able to listen back to this. I'll be like, <laughs> my social anxiety will spiral me into a hell storm pit if I listen to this. But <laughs> I hope other shit, don't do that. Right, right. That so was very. Descriptive. So I'm not gonna listen to my episode, but I hope other people enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> I think they will. I think they will. Yeah, you're a very good talker and sharer oh, and storyteller. Oh, thanks. I don't feel like I. I have many stories until I start them. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, I have lived an entire life oh, wow. and I can share portions I'm of it. I'm a human with experiences. What? Wow. Wow. <laughs> oh, well, oh. thanks for letting me have this outlet to, to word vomit. Of course. Yeah. So there's what you don't do. There's what you don't do. There's what you don't do. <laughs> um, thank you again, Kayla, for joining us. Of course. Um, and we'll be back again in your earballs next week with a new person and we're we're going to have we're going to have Kayla back Yay. but not next week I have to we're going to give her a break up. give her a break to fuck shit up <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks we'll, we'll we'll be back next week bye 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 Before uh, we even started recording. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I have now started recording. Now he started recording. Okay. So I'll I let you intro check out. The levels. Is there yeah. a way? Well, could I just get you both to just kind of say some nonsense? Nonsense. I can say some nonsense. 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 Like nonsense. Extra sense. Nonsense. <laughs> Sub sense. <laughs> Super sense. Super sense. Super sense. <laughs> Stevia sense. <laughs> Alright. Yeah. Levels look good. Cool. I forgot how to intro this. The last one we did, because it was like the first one actually officially being recorded. Mm-hmm. I think it was like six or eight minutes of me just going, I don't know what I'm doing. And Rob being like, why don't we start now? <laughs> 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 like, it was real nice about it. <laughs> but it was definitely. Why don't you say your name and what the podcast is about? <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> I'll do it. Welcome to Sam's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That was perfect. Cut print. We're all set. (laughs) See, you said my name, which is good. Because the first, first one we did, that was just the two of us. Mm -hmm. I didn't. And we got done. And I said, I don't think I ever said my name. At any point. Yeah. It's fine. Oh, I thought you meant ever. (laughs) I don't think I have ever said my name. name. (laughs) Sam Dem. How do you pronounce your last name? Demboski. Good. That's how I say it. Good. I like that you you're one of the few people that says it right off the bat. Well, I I lived in a town with a lot of Polish people, so I've had a lot of Oski Owski names in my life. That might be why. (coughs) 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 Oh, that actually brought some up. Yeah. That was a joke thing at first. (laughs) Good thing I'm finishing consuming this cough drop. Stick up. Put some, just my, rub a little on the oh, screen. So if you have a problem in the middle, you can just I, run your face along bitch, it. I carry Vaseline everywhere and I put it everywhere. Eyes, nose, ears. I used to carry <laughs> Carmex around and then uh, I left it in the pocket of something that I was washing. Oh, I thought you meant the theater. I left it. 
at the pocket. I left my heart at the pocket. <laughs> my chapstick. I go and visit it like three times a week. <laughs> <laughs> but I left it in the clothing and then I stuck it in the dryer. And oh. it went over everything and then it like bakes in yeah. at the same time. And then it's just like giant petroleum stand. Yeah. Bummer. Apparently Dawn. Dawn. Is supposed to help get it out. Dawn like the does dish a soap. lot. Dawn is great for cleaning your bathtub. Dawn mixed with vinegar is like the most miraculous bathtub cleaner. I do, and I got this from my sister, um, dish soap mm-hmm. and like a little bit of water and mm-hmm. then baking soda. Ooh. And you make a paste Ooh, and then the- scrub it, like scrub the whole tub with it oh. and then rinse it out with vinegar. Love that. <laughs> Love it, love it, love it. Oh. This has been cleaning advice with Sam and <laughs> Kayla. <laughs> yep. Okay. I'm ready. Vinegar. More like vinerar. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you shake your head, Rob. That was great. Take my head at some tech thing. Don't worry. Oh. oh. Is it, is it Was it my laugh was Is so it me? Loud? Is it Kayla? Is it I, you? It, it broke everything. I wasn't shaking my head at the text thing. Oh. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> lies. I, Everything's lies. I never know when anyone's serious or not serious. That's like a big problem. It can be I have. hard. Yeah. Sarcastic people. Are you? Are you both take me as sarcastic people? Oh, six hundred percent. I like sarcastic. That's the most people. sincere thing I've said all day. I, I love sarcastic people, but I. Um, have a hard time telling when people are being sarcastic. My brain doesn't compute sarcasm, mm. which is really unfortunate <laughs> as a comedian. It really sucks. <laughs> Was that a joke? Yeah, it's all the time. People are joking around with me and I take them seriously and then I look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it happens every day. <laughs> I don't know why the fuck I can't understand it. I think that might honestly be why you're really good at performing. I mean, because maybe you a, know the difference between like this is me being regular and this is me actually doing. Yeah, stuff. this is the only time it's all very clear. <laughs> We're all fucking around. <laughs> Everyone else is like, I'm on all the time. It's just a consistent forty percent. No, I'm not on all the time. I don't. You're even, like zero. And I don't then even 100. really consider myself a funny person. Uh, you off are. stage. I don't feel it. I feel um, like I take everything literally, like Amelia Bedelia, which maybe is funny, <laughs> but it's not funny uh, to me. <laughs> if people laugh at me, I think more than with me off stage. Oh, <laughs> oh. I don't. Oh, thanks. Well, no. we know each other well. It might yeah. be it might be worse with people I don't know very well. <laughs> uh, we're about to know each other a lot better after this. Yeah. Well, you're about to know me a lot better. <laughs> I'll, per- I'll insert stuff. Yeah, I want to learn about you too. By the time this gets fairly far in, I'm sure people will know plenty about me. Yeah, They'll probably get to hear the same things <laughs> over and over again. 